This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance, or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Hi, I am so pleased that you're here today. So today is going to be a bit of a different episode to some of the ones we've had previously. So, so far, hopefully, if you've listened to some of the episodes before, you will have heard me giving you lots of advice and tips and um practical how-tos on how to get started with your product-based business Um, and hopefully you've also listened to some of our fantastic guest interviews as well who've also shared a lot about their journeys, what they've learned and their best advice for you. But what I realise you haven't actually had up until now is much of an introduction to me Um, and some of you might know me, maybe you've been following me on social media um, or maybe you know me personally but many of you won't and so I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about who I am and how I got to where I am today. you know, to be have to be hosting this podcast. Um, and I thought it was quite timely as well, because I am recording this at the beginning of June, it's the 6th of June today. And I realised that I've actually missed the four year anniversary of my product space business. Um, I know this because I don't have well, I don't have an exact date for when it started, because as, as you'll find out when I go into the story, it actually took me many months to come up with the idea of I'm going to launch a product to actually launching it. That was actually quite a long process, much longer than it needed to be. But the actual idea for this business um, did to happen just over four years ago. And the reason I know this is I actually remember when it happened. So our town holds an annual food festival apart from this year obviously um but every other year it's held a food festival and the first one was four years ago now at that point my baby was my second baby I should say was probably six weeks old and my eldest was just turned three and we went along as a family and um I remember I don't you know I don't remember much about being there apart from for some reason my three-year-old really wanted a smoothie and we couldn't find anywhere that did smoothies um but that's another story that's probably the main thing I remember from that but what happened afterwards is the baby my six-week-old had fallen asleep and I used to have her in like a sling so like strapped onto my chest and she'd probably fed and been changed or whatever and she fell asleep but it was just as we were about to leave and so I walked home with my husband and my son and then because she was asleep I thought you know what I'm just going to carry on walking because any of you who who are parents probably know like how lovely it is when your child's asleep and you just get that little bit of headspace and my husband had recently around that time just got me onto podcasts he'd been recommending audiobooks for ages but I was just like when am I gonna you know it's gonna take me months and months to get through a book but podcasts seem quite doable and so he'd 
um, suggested a podcast by a guy called Pat Flynn who hosts a podcast called Smart Passive Income. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a great podcast. I'll link up to it in the show notes and I'll actually link up to the specific episode that I listened to as well. That's something I need to to look up for you because the episode I listened to was all about um, two men who had launched a business selling products on Amazon and they were selling yoga products. I don't remember too much of the ins and outs of their story, apart from one, they made it sound relatively simple. You know, it sounded like something I could do. And also they were talking a lot about the freedom, I think from memory, although I haven't gone back and listened, that they both lived in different parts of the world. They didn't perhaps live close together and they were running their businesses online and they were talking a lot about the freedom they gave them and I thought that just sounds like exactly what I'm looking for so to go maybe back to the beginning so you can see like how I got to that place um so I had a corporate job I used to work for a really large oil and gas company in London I was there for a lot of years um you know if you look me up on LinkedIn or something you can probably find out where that was um I loved it I had a great time had a global role which meant quite long hours so I would sometimes start quite early I could sometimes start quite late to accommodate speaking with colleagues in different parts of the world um it was a busy role I spoke to lots of people and I was really happy then I became pregnant with my son so my first child and went on maternity leave fully intending that I would take my year we got you know we were really lucky we got a year off um and I thought yeah I'm going to take that year and then I'm going to go back and the idea was that I would always go back part-time don't believe that's something I shared before I left obviously you don't have to but in my mind I thought yeah I'll have the baby when he's a year old I'll um I'll go back a couple of days a week and that'll all be fine it actually isn't what happened so after he was born I suffered with postnatal depression which wasn't I don't know I was about to say it wasn't picked up that early but I think a lot of that to be really honest with you was probably a result of me not being honest with myself or other people my husband certainly thought something was wrong I don't know if my friends did or not really actually it's something you know I've never really asked um but I do remember speaking to the health visitor and I got the feeling that she thought something was wrong because she seemed to come around a lot more than she did to you know to my friends who'd have babies at the same time but still nothing really happened and then I think it was around the nine ten month marks when my son was nine or ten months and you know my former employer contacted me and we started to have the conversations about me going back to work I feel like things kicked up a gear then you know got really hard really heavy um I went to the doctor I got an official diagnosis and he said you know I'm going to sign you off sick you don't need to go back to work when you need to um because the conversations I was having about going back to work, I was finding very stressful. And I don't know if this makes sense to anyone listening, but I found it really hard to think about my baby being in the town where we live and me being like a 40, 45 minute train journey away, like being in London. I don't know, it just, and my husband, you know, works in the city as well. And I just kind of thought, I don't know if I can just deal with like him being in one place and us being somewhere else. And what if something happens? What if we can't get back? What if the trains are late? I don't know. I'm, something that really got to me and then in the end we made the decision as a family that I actually wouldn't go back to that job which was good but then obviously there was a question of well what would I do then because you know I still needed to be working I wanted to be working and I've I've worked my entire life I didn't go not this is relevant to anything but I I will tell you um I never I didn't go to university I did an apprenticeship when I was 16 I did a business apprenticeship and I've worked ever since so I'm kind of you know, I've always worked. I'm used to working. I like working. Um, so I, I, and I wasn't quite ready to 
be a stay-at-home mum. Also, my son um, was down to attend nursery a few days a week as well because obviously when we thought that I was going back to my job in London, we'd signed him up for a nursery, we'd paid the deposit and all of that. And I think by then he might even have had some sort of settling sessions and things like that. So we were like, well, you know, we've got childcare sorted. <clears throat> there was no reason I couldn't work. The issue was, you know, the the traveller thing really at that time because I was starting to feel a lot better in myself. Um and I actually felt that having something to do outside of the home and outside of being a mum would actually be really good for me. So I looked around for something that might be suitable, kind of something that was work around having a small child, you know, work with in schools and that kind of thing. And then I came across completely by accident an opportunity to start my own business. So to buy into a franchise teaching baby and children yoga and that to me seemed absolutely perfect so at this point I'd been practicing yoga myself for I don't know years since like my late teens um really enjoyed it um I liked the idea of of teaching I liked the idea of working with babies and young children and their parents and their carers and I thought you know the hours work around having a child of my own because people are only going to want classes for children you know during the day when my son can be in childcare so that was great so I sort of retrained to had to teach to babies and children and I started running those classes and while a lot about it was great um any of you listening to this who run any kind of service business will know it's not quite as simple as you know just going out at nine o'clock or whatever delivering some classes and coming back because there's kind of like the marketing for those classes there was the setup you know for ones for classes I was teaching for parents and children as opposed to in nursery and preschool settings I actually had to find a venue myself I had to find venues and you know check they were suitable and book them and then I needed to do marketing to fill them up and then there was sort of the admin of getting people signed up for classes and taking payments and then the actual preparation so preparing the classes making sure that you know I had any all the props and anything that I needed and keeping on top of keeping everything clean and hygienic there was just just a a lot and you know invoicing and all the rest of it there was there was a lot more it was a lot more involved obviously than just running the classes um and it was a yeah a definite case of trading time for money which as I've kind of starting my products business that's something I mean I'm sure I've talked about this before that I really appreciate is the fact that how much you can earn selling products isn't there isn't a direct correlation between the amount of time you put in but with this business I had then that was absolutely the case and a lot of this by the way I'm realizing with hindsight I mean some of it at the time I was like oh you know I didn't think I'd be working in the evening I thought I would just you know be able to work between nine and three or whatever I didn't think I'd be you know spending my evenings creating Facebook posts and posters to market the classes but you know that's how it was but anyway still it was still really good. It was a really great way to start running my own business because it was a franchise, which meant that there was support from head office. You know, I wasn't entirely on my own. I got some a bit of ex- training and experience in how to to run a business. You know, something I'd never done before. I'd always been employed up until that point, and you know, it was great. Um, until a few years in, I became pregnant with my second child and fairly early on in that pregnancy it became clear that teaching yoga wasn't going to be viable much longer, well not at all really. Um, So I had some problems with my hips and the main impact of that was it was really hard for me to get down onto the floor and then back up again 
and obviously when you're teaching yoga that's you know there's quite a lot of up and down and you know I couldn't bend at the waist there's quite a lot of things I couldn't do um and I had intended that I would carry on teaching you know well into my pregnancy because I thought that would be viable but um it just it just wasn't so I had to recruit some teachers to take over the classes that I was teaching and um I was just sort of running the business side and that was that was fine my son then you know I I dropped his nursery days a little bit so he spent more time at home with me which was lovely so we had more time before the baby came um as I wasn't doing any prep for classes I wasn't doing any teaching so work-wise there was a lot less to do and um yeah all good really and then my second um child came along and I decided to take a proper maternity leave so I handed over all the admin at the time as well so I had someone else on my team that managed the marketing and the finance I thought I'm going to take a complete break and then it came to this day I mentioned earlier where I was wandering around the food you know wandering around after the food table with a sleeping baby strapped to me food table food festival even sleeping baby strapped to me heard this Pat Flynn podcast um and thought oh this might be what I'm looking for and I'll be honest up until that point I didn't even realize I was looking for anything um you know I just yeah my baby probably was five or six weeks old and you know I had an older child and you know I had already had a business that was running I I didn't even realize I was looking for something else but I think as I mentioned earlier I've always worked I've always wanted to do something more I've always liked the idea of pushing myself and challenging myself and learning new things and this just seemed like something I literally could do while the baby slept um you know it seemed really the way that it was described in this podcast episode creating and launching a product seemed completely doable and something that you know definitely achievable so I thought great well okay I'm gonna do that then so that is when I and the idea came up for my baby brand which is called tiny chipmunk so tiny chipmunk sells premium bamboo baby products so as you, I don't know, I don't know how much you know about bamboo, but it has lots of fantastic natural properties. Um, my products aims to keep the bamboo as natural as possible, so we don't use any chemicals or dyes or bleaches or anything in them. Um, I sell a few products. Um, they're all sort of my own designs. So I sell muslin swaddle blankets. I sell hooded towels. I sell plates and bowls at the moment. Um, hoping to expand the range at some point. But I'll be honest with everything else that's going on right now. I'm just thankful that I'm still selling the products that I have. Um, as a few people have asked me about the name, the reason for the name Tiny Chipmunk is that's the nickname we gave our youngest because she was a really tiny baby, but she had really big cheeks like a like a chipmunk. Um, and I just the reason for the actual you know the whole thing of selling these premium baby products was that when my second child was born I actually realized how few things that we'd kept from my first were actually suitable for using again like we had some muslin cloths and I think they were meant to be organic cotton I think but they were all like crinkly and hard and I mean I feel like I I take care of things but they just weren't great and then we had some towel I remember getting out towels for her and they just looked like a like a large napkin they were really small and I could see that they just weren't going to last very long and in fact I'm sure that with my eldest um his you know the tells he was a bigger baby well he was a small baby but he got quite big and I've got a feeling they only lasted him like a month or two just it, nothing just seemed like 
designed to last and that's kind of what the usp of tiny chipmunk is is i want my products to be really high quality but also at good size you know so my towels for example and i know i'm going off on a bit of a tangent here but the um, bamboo hooded towels that i sell they still fit my um, youngest and as i've mentioned you know my business is nearly it's just over four years old she's just over four years old and um they don't drag on the floor anymore but i mean they're a good size i'd say they're probably going to last her I'd, probably until she's five and she's not particularly small I'd say she's like an average an average height for a four-year-old and um yeah and they're definitely gonna last her a good bit longer and that's kind of what I was after um but anyway I did go off on a bit of a tangent there so I just want to share a little bit about how I got started really so as I said I had I listened to that podcast and I thought yeah this all sounds really doable and really achievable I'm just going to go and do it and I mentioned earlier that it then took me I think it was at least six months to then have my first product which was muslin swaddle blankets actually on Amazon available to sell it was five or six months anyway um part of the reason it, it took that long I would I have to be honest is well a few reasons one is that obviously it was the first time I was doing it and you know subsequent product launches I've done much quicker because you know I have a process in place now um that's a process I also teach in my product creation course um which I'll link to in the show notes but there is a process like a step-by-step process you can follow to come to have a product idea to get it listed um I didn't know the process at the time that kind of you know learn with experience and refined it as I've gone and as I've launched more products so that's one reason I guess the other reason was you know I did have a six-week-old and a toddler and you know my husband working full-time and a little bit of childcare but still you know I, I did have a baby at home all of the time and while they sleep a lot they never sleep as well my children never sleep as much as you hope they will um so you know it was dealing with being tired and parenting and you know all this all this you know all the stuff that happens when you have a small child so I think that's part of the reason but then I think there was another element which is it it all just felt really confusing so I listened to this podcast where it all sounds really easy but then when I started to actually do it it didn't seem so easy anymore um I think a lot of that was there didn't seem to be a great deal of good advice out there and I'm not saying that there wasn't but because perhaps there was and I just couldn't find it I'm not saying that there isn't now because obviously four years on I think there probably is some better advice out there then but when I was looking for people to sort of people to follow um I was looking at blogs and podcasts just trying to find people that I could learn from what I found was that every one that I could find at that time they were all men um and there's nothing um there's nothing wrong with that of course but they were all men and they were all sort of so much further ahead of me that it kind of at the beginning it kind of felt motivational I'll be honest so I was listening to podcasts um and the guests were saying or the the host and the guests actually were talking about you know how they made they went from zero to I don't know a million pounds in sales in their first year or you know they, they were doing six figures within you know months and I was thinking oh that sounds really good and maybe I could do that but soon realized actually unless you've got a bit of capital to put behind it to kind of buy the amount of stock that you'd need I don't believe you are going to see that you know that much success that soon I'm not saying you can't build things slowly over time I mean, my business um has definitely grown at a good rate but over the past few years um 
I certainly was, you know, I, I don't know any sellers pers- personally, and I, and I know a lot now, who've been making six figures within their first few months. Um, and I think when I did a bit more investigating, it looked like a lot of the people that I was looking to, you know, they had other businesses and this was something they were perhaps doing you know, on top of that, so they already perhaps in some cases had an audience or they already had some capital to put in. And by the way, I'm not criticising any of this, but I guess what I'm getting at is what I found really hard is that everyone felt so far ahead of me that after a while it stopped being motivational and got really daunting because there was just such a big gap. Um, And then the other thing was, is that I was looking for, I just couldn't find a roadmap of exactly what I needed to do and in what order um so I mean I just went in and tried my best I'll be really honest I just thought okay I'm pretty motivated I'm quite organized I put together a plan worked out what I thought the steps were and I got going and that that was great although I certainly um I certainly made some mistakes and actually this is probably a good time to talk about something I thought would be worth me sharing with you um today that hopefully will be valuable is the the top three things that I that I learned throughout this process and I guess the first one is is that done is better than perfect this is something I actually live by um so I didn't really know what I was doing at the beginning and I put together a rough plan and you know what I made so many mistakes so I first one I made and like I said I'm, I'm happy to share all of these is that when I was getting samples for my first products I got samples of the products but I didn't get any samples for the packaging and so it wasn't until my products actually arrived in an Amazon warehouse and then people started buying it that I realized there was actually a quite a fundamental problem which was the packaging was so flimsy that with all the handling so my products at that time were all made in China so in the process of coming from China to the Amazon warehouse and then getting unpacked and going on the shelves and then getting packed into individual boxes to be sent to customers like all that handling like the packaging was ripping or denting and it it just it was almost like how do I describe it like thick brown paper whereas I'd envisioned like a sturdy brown cardboard but if you go onto my website which is tinychipmunk.com you'll be able to see sort of image of the packaging as how it looks now and it for the swaddles they did actually packaging looked pretty much the same apart from it was so much thinner and um such a mistake because if I had got a sample of that earlier on I would have picked it up and I would have known um but actually what happened is I got lots of not lots but you know a fair few complaints and um a few bad reviews on account of the packaging which is fair enough however okay this was a mistake but I then when I placed my next order by then I'd sort of established there was a problem with the box I'd worked with um, the supplier we fixed it and we have no problems with the boxes now so you know while it wasn't a great thing to happen um you know learned from it and moved on I also made another mistake which was when I was importing my goods into the UK I didn't realize I needed something called an EORI number I've probably told this story before and I can't even tell you what EORI stands for because I don't remember but I know it's important and I know that I had a hold up in customs and I vividly remember I was meant to be dropping my son at forest school and I suddenly got this I think it was an email that came through and I don't know why I was checking my emails then but I got this email basically saying we need this number and you need to fill in this form and provide this and 
I remember sitting on the stairs when my husband was getting my son dressed and I was on the stairs on my mobile trying to fill in this form really quickly and it was all really stressful and that could have been avoided if only I'd known but as I say I couldn't find anything at that time to tell me all the things I needed to do so I didn't forget anything or didn't miss anything out um yeah, and actually, that we'll come back to that point in in just a minute um, when I've gone. When I've just told you my next two things that I've learned. So I think my second one would be to be really clear on your brief. So what what I mean by this is be really clear on what the product you're looking for is. Um, because I think I another reason it took me a long time to get my product launched is I don't think I had a good enough idea in my head of what exactly I was after when I started sourcing the products. I think I started looking for the products. And in, I think part of it was I was like, I wonder how much this will cost. I wonder if, you know, I'd done some research into what sort of product I was looking for. A bit, not enough, not as much as I would do now, not as much as I recommend anyone does now. Had an idea of what I could sell them for. So then I started thinking, oh, I wonder what it's going to cost to produce them. I'll just go and contact some people and find out. But I did that before having like a really clear idea of what I wanted and so I just ended up wasting so much time because someone would say oh well do you need do you need a washing label on that and I would think do I need a washing label on that and then they say oh how thick do you want the muslin fabric to be how many layers and I think oh I don't know and oh you know question after question um people would ask me and I just be like oh I don't know that actually and then I'd say something and then maybe to another supplier they'd say oh I can't do this but I can do that and I'd say okay well just quote me for that and then I ended up with a load of quotes that weren't actually like for like because I was getting everyone to quote for something slightly different because even I didn't know exactly what I needed um and so that was, I think, another thing that wasted a lot of time. So I would say that before you get to the point of, I mean, by all means, if you want to go and look at Alibaba or a different sourcing site to get an idea before, you know, before you've pulled your final product specification together, do that. But two things I'd mention is one is don't take those prices that you see on the results screen to be accurate because they're not. They're an idea and what they'll actually charge you is... is almost certainly going to be higher um so yeah that's worth knowing and the other thing is that I put out a podcast a few weeks ago called how to write a product specification if you're at the stage where you're thinking about looking to find someone to manufacture your product that is a great episode to listen to because I go through what a product specification is how to put it together what to include how to write it I try and keep it as simple as possible I promise it's really it is really simple and if you've done your research into your product and your market even if you've just done fairly basic research you'll have enough to pull that together so it's definitely worth a listen and I think the third thing that I learned is if I'm and I guess is on the topic of research as well is not to listen to everyone so when I was doing some research into things like you know when my first product I did a bit less with my second product which was my towels I thought I would do a bit more comprehensive customer research and you know ask people what they thought about them and what they thought about the price and all this kind of thing and the information I got back was it felt like it was all over the place so some people were like oh I'd pay 30 pounds for that for a towel of that spec and other people were saying well I'd pay 10 pounds for that and I was thinking, well, you know, this is really high quality bamboo and the quality's really good and the towel's this big and it's going to last so long. So it's definitely worth more than £10. And I was a bit 
frustrated if I'm honest. Um, but then I realised when I took a step back that actually the people who kind of were not undervaluing it because like you know what it what they thought it was worth was what they thought but the people who were putting a price on it that was lower than what I would have perhaps expected and liked if I'm honest um weren't actually my target customers so for example a lot of them weren't most of maybe all of them weren't parents and parents are basically you know my, my biggest customers um are parents and yeah because I feel like perhaps if you don't I felt like yeah maybe those with what how am I going to wear this I think I felt like if you don't have children perhaps you may you may not always sort of appreciate the fact that that like I was saying before about how you know you get things it's quite frustrating when they don't last very long or when they fall apart where the quality is really bad but I think yeah I think that if you have had more than one child and you've been through that thing of why does you know nothing last longer than a couple of weeks you kind of get you know a lot of my messaging is around that along how long things last I think perhaps you get that a little bit more um so anyway my whole point is not to sort of say who's right and who's wrong on on any of this because I mean it's all very personal what we look for I mean I think some people would prefer a lower price point and just have something that you know that's fine and that will do and some people like to invest in sort of higher quality products that are going to last a bit longer and obviously that's all a personal choice um but I think yeah my the thing I'm trying to get out here at here is that I wasn't while I was asking people which is great and something I recommend you do ask people about you know your products idea about products like yours you have to ask the right people you, you can't ask everyone I mean you can ask everyone if you want to but you really need to think about who you're listening to and if they're not your ideal customer you know they're they're not perhaps the right people to have a conversation with so those are the top things that I've learned I thought was worth sharing with you and so coming back to something I said earlier about how everything was very confusing and I couldn't really work out what I was meant to do and how I kept making so many mistakes well that was actually what um, prompted me to start my blog um so if you haven't come across the blog yet you may well have done um if you haven't it's blog.tinychipmonk.com I'll link that up in the show notes and I started that because I was like this is a bit of a felt like a bit of a mountain to climb actually when I was getting started and realizing all the things I didn't know um it felt like a bit of a challenge and I just thought you know what I'm going to start blogging about this and then hopefully so other people will find that will find the blog to be honest I don't think they did because I didn't really know anything about a blog then and it wasn't very well optimized for SEO or anything like that um but anyway that's beside the point but in my mind I thought you know what I'll document all of this and it might be really useful to someone else one day so that was how the blog started um as I said my original posts were pretty bad but they're still there you can go and and read them I don't know that they're actually going to tell you a great deal but I just really wanted to document what I was doing what I was learning mistakes that I was making just to stop you know other people making the same mistakes as me and that then led on um a few years down the line to me actually starting up um my consultancy so Vicky Weinberg product creation and this is where I work with other people to help you to create and launch your own products so 
how I do this as well as a few things. So I still have the blog that's still going um, and obviously this podcast as well to sit alongside it. Um, Hopefully the articles now are more comprehensive and more useful than they were when I started all those years ago. That's certainly my aim. Um, I have an online course. I have two online courses actually. So I have the full product creation course, which takes you through from start to finish how to create a product and get it ready to sell and then I have the validation course which just takes you through how to validate your product idea so you know whether it's worth going ahead with before you actually invest in the entire course so that mini course is the first two modules so you can buy those first few two modules separately go through those and then if you feel like actually your product's a good idea there's a market there's people out there that will buy it all that kind of thing then you can um then you can go ahead and purchase the other modules separately and and take the entire course. Um, Actually, at the time of recording, um, the course isn't yet, isn't open at the moment for new new registrations. Um, At the time this podcast is released, it will be, let's see, so this is going to go out. Yep. 19th of June so if you're listening to this sort of in real time so pretty soon after this episode is launched you will have a couple of days to get onto the course if you're interested so um, please get in touch if you'd if you'd like to and then I also offer um, done for you services so I can I can do product carry out your product research for you I can write product descriptions I could advise on launch strategies and I also offer consultancy and that's probably the favourite thing that I do and this is where I would work with you on a one-to-one basis although I'm planning on opening up some sort of group coaching sessions later on this year when things you know when the world goes back to normal a bit more and have a bit more headspace and no children here all of the time um but I do have availability for one or two more sort of one-to-one slots right now so if you're interested get in touch and so what I would do then is we would talk through where you are in your product creation journey Um, I answer any questions that you have and basically help you out as much as possible and then we put together some next steps for you to go off and do and then we would agree the next time we're going to meet and then we would sort of review your progress if you got stuck anywhere obviously you can contact me by email or 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 whatever in between and basically I would just help you through the product creation process and the idea being that you would do the work or at least the majority of the work yourself of course there might be areas sort of writing product descriptions where you think actually you know just can't do this or product photography there might be little bits and pieces where you need somebody else's help but you know my goal is to kind of empower you to do this yourself should you want to because while yeah it's it's challenging while there's a lot to it um I just think that the benefits to you of being able to do this yourself are just fantastic because imagine the of the confidence boost it gives you that you've done that you've taken this idea you had and you've created it into something real and it's on the shelves whether that's virtual or real life and people are buying it and people are using it and enjoying it and liking it and recommending it I just think that's fantastic and if I can help you get there I would absolutely love to so that's my absolute favourite way to work with people is to help you to do it yourself. And yeah, if you're interested in that kind of thing, you can um, send me an email. It's vickyatsinychipmunk.com and and find out a little bit more about how we could work together. And um, if you do, do mention the podcast as well. And that's where you found me because it's always good to know how people find, find you out. Um, okay, so I think that is 
probably enough of me talking to you for today um so thank you for indulging me i hope it's been useful and interesting um and yeah and as always um i'd love to hear what you think so you can email me vicky at tinychipmunk.com if you have the time to leave a review um for this podcast and apple podcast i would absolutely love that um fairly new podcast still and you know the more reviews the better it really helps other people find out about the show as well so that'd be fantastic and tell all your friends well thank you so much take care and speak to you soon if you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024 i really recommend my podcast host captivate captivate were my top pick when i started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.